It's Ross, it's Callum, it's the Jiu-Jitsu Oracle, it's the Who's Number One 22 preview show. The event takes place Friday night, US time, into the wee small hours, UK time. We'll be watching, we'll be back on the Saturday with a full review of all the main card matches, and we'll, we'll touch on the undercard as well. But, to lead us there, we're going to discuss the show, go through all the matches, let you know what we think. So... The, the event is being headlined by Victor Hugo against Nick Rodriguez. Callum, what's your initial thoughts on that match? Yeah, so this is an interesting match. Uh, not faced up against each other yet. Interesting because I feel like you've kind of got the two extremes of that heavyweight division. Um, a lot of guys obviously like to be on top. You don't really see anyone in that division without a top game, but Victor Hugo is one of the better guard players in that division. Definitely doesn't mind playing off of his back. And then the other extreme of that, Nicky Rod, I think everyone kind of looks at him as a wrestler. Wants to be on top the whole time, passing, very good stand-up, good at wrestling up as well, but ideally doesn't really want to be on the bottom position for too long. So very interesting from that point of view. Yeah, I've got this match described as big man floor. So that's Victor Hugo. Patented to him. Yeah. That's his slogan. Against, and I was trying to think of a term for Nick Rodriguez. So I'm going with big man staccato, right? Because you get these intermittent bursts of explosiveness yeah. mixed with periods of him being settled down. So it's a very interesting dynamic between the two of them, I think, because Nicky Rod, very eruptive and volcanic. Nice description there. Thank you. And then Victor Hugo very flowy through his movements. So a real a real clash of styles. Um, in terms of jiu-jitsu overall, and in terms of being a big guy, I think both have merit in how you go about playing the game. So Victor Hugo is able to use his movement very well, chain it through long kinetic chains. Nicky Rod, very good at, sort of standing his ground and then using the moments when he can display his explosive athleticism at the right time. So I think they both play jiu-jitsu very well for their body types and their personalities, Yeah, but they just play it slightly differently. Would you agree? Yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that, like the smoothness of Victor Hugo versus the kind of abruptness of Nicky Rod, but no, that's a good way of putting it. Definitely both great movers for that weight class, for sure. Um Obviously, Victor's kind of thing is his, is his flow, his flowy movement. He moves very well. And then Nicky Rod, obviously, is known for his athleticism in that division. Um, Victor Hugo has been working his stand-up a lot. Um, be interested to see if he wants to play that game against Nicky Rod. But I think Nicky does better against the bigger guys wrestling. If you look at his first ADCC, the kind of guys he was against. Um, Muhammad Ali, gigantic guy, good wrestling. He matched up pretty well against him. Cyborg didn't really like to wrestle that much. Um, but yeah, against a lot of those bigger guys, he did very well. The wrestling has actually been some of the smaller guys that he struggled with a little bit. Um, like Elder Cruz struggled with him with the wrestling. Um, even guys like Roberto Jimenez didn't necessarily completely dominate him with the wrestling. So I think stylistically, he does do better against the bigger guys. But if Victor elects to play guard, that'll be very interesting as well because he does have a great guard. I think close guard is one of his strongest assets. Um, 
as well. He tends to off balance a lot very well from, from bottom and then finish with wrestle up. So maybe that's his key to getting on top instead of just playing the stand up game with him. He can hit a little scissor sweep off balance and then finish that up with a wrestle up. I think that's going to be a crucial part of the match because yeah. Nicky Rod is very hard to get down and keep hold down, down yeah. and hold down. That was and another it, one of my keys to the match, getting him flat. Yeah. Down. So I think Victor might find uh, off balances from guard bomb. And I would, I would expect in the match to for Victor to be on guard bottom at some point. But if he is off balance and Nicky, can he come up and finish it off and secure top position with a pin for, you know, we're talking more than three and five and 10 seconds, but actually being able to keep Nicky Rod back to the map. I think that's going to be very difficult, but I think if Victor can do that, then that leads to an obvious path to victory for him. Yeah, I think that's uh, the biggest kind of key to his victory. I think he's got some other interesting things um, in his toolbox. He's got underrated leg locks, and um, we've seen him use that a lot in the gi. Yeah. More kind of toe holds, knee bars, these kind of things. So obviously Nicky trains with guys like uh, Craig, Nicky Ryan. These guys use a lot of heel hooks, maybe... These kind of knee bar positions might catch him off guard. It's another possible key to victory, but I would agree that kind of off balance and getting on top and then immediately putting weight on Nicky or pinning his head and shoulders to the mat and then passing from there is going to be his biggest kind of key. What do you think about Victor's guard and the way Victor plays guard versus Nicky Rod's determination to get chest-to-chest contact from top position? Yeah, so obviously Nicky Rod favours the body walk. Um, his favourite passing position Victor Hugo's quite happy a lot of the time to play flat on his back which obviously denies the body lock and I would also be interested to see if Nicky Rod gets in on a body lock can Victor Hugo use that to get to his close guard that would be quite an interesting thing to see I think I think through these matches we are going to see close guard used and I think it's going to be interesting to see how close guard is used against dynamic movers to slow them down and give the bottom player the chance to sort of stabilize and then move on from there. And I think within the context of this match, if if Victor is able to get a hold of Nicky Rod and settle it down for a portion of time, that might be beneficial. I think Nicky Rod's eyes most dangerous when he's sort of skirting on the edge. And um, he's got he's got decent to dominant grips, but the the player who's against doesn't have the same sort of locked inness on him. And then it only takes a split second for him to move very dynamically and advance position. Yeah, this kind of leads into one other point I had about this was uh, how much friction is there going to be in this match? Nicky Rod fan of competing topless uh, I think Victor Hugo as well did some of his matches at ADCC topless um, there's been some speculation by competitors of Nicky Rod that he does grease um, I think it's evident by his training sessions that he's like quite a sweaty person sometimes it can just be that but regardless of whether he's greasing or he just sweats a lot guys without a top that sweat a lot it's very hard to hold him down so you see some organizations like Fight Pass making people wear the long sleeve rash guards now, which I like, but we've not seen that from Flow yet. Maybe they're going to implement that that I've not heard of, I'm not sure, but it'll be a 
big factor, I think, if these guys are topless and how sweaty the match gets. I'll just add, any talk of greasing is mere allegations. Oh, I, gosh. Nicky Rod has vehemently defended yeah. his position that he does not. But I think under the lights at Flow, um, who are promoting the event, very hot. It's going to get very sweaty very quickly. These are big guys. They don't take much encouragement to start sweating, only a bit of movement. Yeah. So there will be a lot of water about the place. Uh, Victor Hugo won't be able to rely on the gi grips to compensate for the fact that they, they might be slidiness. So it's another factor that he will have to get comfortable with as he takes on more no-gi matches. But it just adds to Nicky Rod's <coughs> ability to be elusive. Yeah. That if there is if there is um, difficulty in connection because of sweat or moisture, whatever, it's um, it's just it's just hard to get hold of him, keep him down, and score against him, which makes him so difficult to deal with in the ADCC context. I think if you look at um, when he faced Gordon Ryan at the ADCC last time it was like Gordon was able to get him early and I think like the longer matches go against Nicky Rod the tougher he gets yeah. to uh, submit him or positionally control him yeah I agree so rounded up this match what was your predictions I think it will be a lot of Nicky on top and it'll be a lot of Victor on bottom I think uh, Nicky will get close to passing but I don't know if he will be able to pass I think Victor will get off balances I don't know whether he'll be able to wrestle up and finish off the off balances I think it'll come down to a judge decision as to like who's been more active top guard v bottom guard so and then then it's like it's, it's up in the air you know you saw a match on who's number one where it was Nicky Rod against Felipe Peña Nicky Rod was on top most of the match Felipe was on bottom Felipe won the judge's decision. A lot of people questioned whether that was the right outcome. I'd say if Nicky Rod's spending most of the match on top and he's not being uh, off-balanced to the point where it's, it's getting close to us, yeah, I'd, I'd favour Nicky Rod to, to stay on top and you know maybe force a good passing position or at least a deep passing position if he's not quite managed to like get all the way through in the past. So... I'm going to go with Nicky Rod in the rule set, slight favourite. That's my pick. What about you? Yeah, I'm the same. I don't see there being a submission. Um, Gordon wasn't able to submit Victor Hugo. I think it's unlikely Nicky Rod will. And then same for Nicky Rod. He's obviously got amazing submission defence. I've only really seen him be slightly susceptible to legs against Gordon, and that was only in one of their matches. Yeah. Amazing. Back defence, obviously, as we always see in the EBI rule set, amazing armbar defence, and I'm sure that goes for a number of other submissions as well. So I think this will go the distance, and yeah, I agree. I think Nicky Rod will generally stay on top and edge out a decision. So we're going to work our way through the card, not necessarily in a in a obvious order as to how we think the matches will take place on the night. I want to talk about Tainan Dalpra against... Oliver Taza next because I think this is also a match of 
contrasting styles and it's going to be interesting to see how a, a player in Tainan who's had most of experience in the Gi is transitioning towards no Gi so there's a, there's a similar theme as to like Victor Hugo that we talked about in the previous match so Callum what are your initial thoughts on Tainan against Taza how, how do you see it going overall yeah so initial thought is Tainan's first if we're being honest threatening opponent in his black belt no-gi career he's only had one other match the last opponent just wasn't on his level it's fair enough you're kind of introducing Tainan to uh, this no-gi scene and try to build him up but uh, Taza is definitely a threat um, when we look at their overall just whether you're talking gi or no gi just accomplishments and kind of ranking in jiu-jitsu i think tyron's way more accomplished like overall obviously they do kind of separate sides of the sport so it'll be interesting to see in that regard how much contrast there is in the gi and no gi obviously tyron is at a higher level in the gi than taza is at no gi quite significantly i would say so it'll be interesting to see how big of a transition it is to Nogi. Obviously, if it's a really big transition, then we could see Taza win. If it's not a big transition, then we should see Tynan be quite dominant in this match, I think. I put the split in the match. Tynan's passing in pins versus Taza's inability to engage the legs. And not necessarily just engage legs to submit from leg entanglements, but also to then wrestle up and get on top. Very interesting to see Tynan's passing and pins in the nogi context i'd say that's his strongest suit in the gi is his passing and pins but makes good use of the cloth that he has available yeah for passing so i i'm really keen to see how he adjusts with the different controls that he has available in the mm-hmm. gi but regardless of the grips he is very dominant when on top and extremely hard to shift. So then I favor him to get top position during the match. I think if Taz is able to get under him, that'll be Taz's best chance to go for a submission or, or, or come to top position. But elevating Tainan or shifting him off the side to get access to legs and then get into a leg lock and uh, entanglement or wrestle up is going to be very difficult so I think we're going to see a lot of Tynan on top um, trying to pass and trying to solidify side control mount etc and I think we're going to see a lot of Taza on the bottom trying to elevate or shift Tynan off to the side and create sort of like a scrambly situation or a leg entanglement that he can he can use to get to top it will be interesting to see if the legs are engaged as to how Tynan reacts to that I don't think it's going to be um, difficult for him or he's going to be a fish out of water because you look at who he trains with, like Kolobate, fantastic leg walker. So, you know, he's, he'll be at the cutting edge of the game. Yeah, Diego Pato now as well. Who will we'll come on to yeah. in, a, in a wee bit. But first, yeah. let's round out our discussion on that and head towards predictions. So is there anything else you want to touch on in the match that you think we might see? Yeah, a couple of things. So you're saying tying and being on top. I think that's interesting because I think there might be a kind of a level of Tynan's wrestling that we're unaware of. We maybe he's been working that this past couple of years and maybe we're going to see that. But I think on paper, 
Taza should have the advantage on the feet. I agree with that. I would say Tynan's route to top is usually sweep yeah. to top position. Yeah. And he's exceptional at sweep to top position. But again, we've not seen him use X guards, etc. Nogi. So what adjustments will he make? Yeah, so it'd be first of all interested to see does he want to wrestle with Taza? How will that go? That is something that might happen in the match, might not. As you say, obviously, he's adjusting his game, Gianogi. I think the advantage of Tyron is he uses more leggy guards, Delaheva X guard, as opposed to lapel guard, spider guard. So that's a definite advantage. It's a lot easier to adjust that Gianogi because the legs are still legs, even if you're having to swap out a collar grip for something else. So that will be interesting to see. I think as well, if he is on bottom, I think... Taza will quite happily jump into the legs on top, so maybe he doesn't even have to elevate from the bottom. We'd be interested to see how Tynan deals with that. One other thing is that we have seen Taza versus Tynan's teammate, Jonathan, which is quite interesting. Obviously, Tynan and Jonathan, they're not the same grappler, but kind of coming from the same background, same team. So that match was pretty close. Seen some good leg entries from Taza onto Jonathan. Very tight heel look that Jonathan decided that he wasn't tapping to. Um, some good positional game from Jonathan. Very close match. So be interested to see if there's some parallels between the two when Tynan comes to face Taza. I think there will likely be parallels because Jonathan and Tynan are both incredible on top. And not necessarily being on top past the legs, but just being in and around the legs and maintaining top position. So that I think we will see some similarities there. One wild card with that as well that we've not seen from Tyden since really his color belt days, but good Baron Bolo game. We've seen Taza have his back taken many different matches by Baron Bolo type positions when he does enter into the leg. So it'd be cool if we see Tynan bring that out and it will be cool as well if we can see Tynan actually keep the position because Taza gets his back taken almost every match. He's quite comfortable there getting out. So if Tynan can get there, can he hold him there and submit him? Which way are you leaning? I am going to lean towards Tynan. Because? Overall, just a lot more accomplished grappler. I think we're seeing more and more that these like super high-level athletes in the key are transitioning over. And it's not taking them that much time to transition over to the Nogi game and be very successful. Nicholas Merigali is obviously the most recent example, so... I think Tynan's definitely on the same level as Merigali, gi-wise. You could argue either way who's the better guy in the gi, but definitely the same sort of stratosphere. So I think Merigali coming from Dan Hur, one of the best coaches in the sport, and then obviously Tynan coming from gi, who's a, a gi guy, but still a high, really high-level coach. So I think he can make that transition. I favour Tynan by control. I don't favor that there'll be a submission but there there could be but i would expect tynan to find his way to mount or the back during the match and be able to <laughs> secure victory from there and um, just on a point that uh we made in episode two about uh, the development of art of jiu-jitsu another string to their bow is their athletes reaching in to the Nogi world and, and making strides there. So we've seen development of the women's team. We've seen bigger athletes coming on uh, to the squad. We've seen them continue to dominate the gi. 
the juveniles continue to do well and now they're making strides into the nogi. Yeah. So I just wanted to make that point because we had the discussion in the in the previous podcast about uh the rise of art of jiu-jitsu and um and how how well they're doing across the board, no longer just um specializing in the gi with sorry young athletes in the lighter divisions. So this is a, this is another string to their bow. So we'll talk about the match that you are most looking forward to, yeah, I believe, and that is the match team Dante Leon and Diego Pato. Yeah, why are you so excited about these two locking horns? So two of my favourite guys to watch in general, and extra excited because this isn't a match we would normally get to see. Um, if you're talking about IBJJF weight classes, Pato usually competes light feather, and um, Dante usually competes lightweight sometimes even middleweight so multiple weight classes apart and then adcc pat was a 66 guy dante is a 77 guy so wouldn't typically see this match but dante we've seen competing all over the place he's competing in this upcoming IBGF grand prix um absolute division seen him do heavyweight divisions at some of the majors for nogi and now he's decided to cut down to 70 um he's competed a couple of times at this weight class before he's looked pretty good so far and then Pat was going up slightly in weight. Not a big jump for him. He's competed at this weight class before. Um, so for that reason, yeah, it's very exciting. Very exciting matchup of styles as well. Pato, incredibly good guard. Dante, very good passing. So be excited to see how that plays out. How do you think it'll play out on the feet if the match needs to be there for a period of time? I think if Dante wants to be on top, he'll be on top. I think he's... We don't know. Pato maybe has some wrestling skills that we don't know too much about. I've seen him at the trials. He has decent enough wrestling, but not enough that he's shown in competition to match up with Dante. And then when you add on top of that how important size is when it comes to wrestling as well, I don't think he's going to really want to play that wrestling game with Dante. I think size will be important in this match because you've got Dante coming down a little bit yeah, from one of the strongest guys for his size in the sport as well you see him powerlifting crazy numbers in the gym so and you've got Powell sort of coming up a little bit from from where he often is and then I think that will play out in terms of Dante being able to secure top position and probably have the better of the wrestling exchanges but you know for Pat from Powell's point of view that might not be a bad thing because he is one of the most vicious leg lock finishers in the world. Yeah. And I think if he is to secure a submission, that would probably be his 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 best shot. Definitely, yeah. Two of the kind of big breakthroughs recently in leg locks has been like the false reap, entry into the legs, and then the Z-lock. These are kind of the two things that Pat was really good at. Um, especially the Z-lock, I think if you can tie up both of Danny's legs, that is going to be like a big key to Danny not just getting out. Pato, definitely one of the top leg lockers in the world. Um, and we've seen Danny be tapped with leg locks before, like Gary Tonin, even though that was a few years ago. The kind of saving grace for Danny here, though, I think, is the other great leg locker right now, Natasha Zinski. Danny's fought twice and he's done absolutely fine against him, submitted at one time, beat him on points the other time. So that kind of gives me hope that even if he gets into the legs, he'll be comfortable there and he might not even get there. Um, I think mentioning that false reap as well kind of leads into Dante's passing game. Dante really favours the knee cut, so it'll be interesting to see 
in our play between those two, will Pat will be able to false read Dante from his knee cut or will Dante be able to cut through with his passing? Or stagnate. Yeah. Because Pat might get grips that initiate the false read, but actually getting Dante elevated enough to get underneath him is going to be difficult. Dante, exceptional wrestler, so shifting him on top is going to be a big effort, but Powell, very explosive. He, he he only needs weight to shift slightly and then he can take full advantage of it. So it's, there's sort of elements of the, the Titan v. Taza situation as well in that Taza can be explosive <coughs> getting in on the legs and um, Titan can be very hard to shift when on top and I could see a similar situation with Donny and Pato. I would favour Donny to be on top for most of the match. Yeah. I think uh, one other kind of point as well. Last time we've seen, well, one of the last times we've seen Pato compete in the 70 kilo division on who's number one, he was in that tournament um, and he got put out by Cade, who again is kind of Danny's sort of size. He was doing really well with the guard. He had some good attacks. He almost armbarred Cade, but over time with that size difference, you saw his guard slowly start to wilt and then Cade got his opening in that match. So, I potentially see that that could go this way as well. Um, if Donnie's putting on the pressure, bigger, more physical, maybe he doesn't get the pass for a while, but towards the end of the match, potentially Pat's guard will wear out and Danny will find his opening. Much like I suggested, Nick Rodriguez against Victor Hugo could go. It's just pressure over time, especially in these 10-minute matches. 15. 15. Some, is it, how long is this match? I think, th I think the main card matches are 15. 15 minute match. Especially in the 15 minute matches under the bright lights. Uh, having an exceptional wrestler wear on you over time, it, it will add up. And um, that could lead towards a pinning position in the, in the, in the final portion. So I'm going to favour Donny by top position and wearing out Powell over the match that said Powell could secure a position I think if there is a submission it's likely to go Powell but I would favour Dante over the period to secure a decision win Callum what's your prediction? Yeah I think it's going to be the same um, I think they're both quite even in terms of where they are at in their respective divisions. I actually think they both got bronze in their respective divisions, ADCC. But they're kind of meeting in the middle of those two. So when you've got skill being the same, you have to go with the guy that's got more physicality, more size, physical attributes. So I'm going to go with uh, Dante as well. Probably going to wear a power out over time and get his openings later in the match. We'll move to the, the women's match on the card. That has changed from what was originally advertised yeah uh Fionn Davies was due to take part but she posted that she'd had a flare-up of her back injury yeah and had to pull out and she was going to face uh Toby Alaquan but we've got a replacement uh in Adele Fernerino 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 again as we said as these athletes develop over time and we become more known to them our pronunciations which 
is our fault for not getting it right off the bat necessarily, but we'll learn the pronunciations and we'll get better with these athletes over time. But we have Tubby against Adele. I think it's going to be a battle of the guard game and that they've got two different ways of, of, of playing guard, but we're going to see two athletes that want to be on bottom here. Calm, what, what do you think about the guard play between these two athletes and what we might see in the match? Yeah, so when you look at kind of the victories of both uh, athletes' prior matches, it has came from a lot of the guard work. Um, if you look at Tubby, um, a lot of leg locks. To be fair, Tubby, she a lot of the time on these leg locks drops back from top. So I think if there's like a sort of double pool situation, she might be willing to come up on top and dive on uh, submission opportunities that we see as well as potentially threatening the passing. But great heel hooks coming from heel hook, uh, leg locks coming from heel hooks, knee bars, toe holds as well. Really good triangles and arm bars. Adele, most of her submissions, like the vast majority, have came from arm bars. Uh, arm bars, she's very good at one particular type of arm bar. Very deadly close guard. Great with that shotgun arm bar. She's won multiple matches at all over the uh, IBGGF scene with that. So I think if Tubby ends up in Adele's close guard, that's going to be a very dangerous situation for her. But yeah, these guys have won matches positionally, but both very submission heavy. So I think that's what we're going to see in the match. So the two styles we're talking about are Tubby's guards probably a little bit more diverse yeah. in the attacks that she has at her disposal and Adele's base camp's going to be close guard and that's where she's going to try and set her attacks up from yeah um, be interesting I am not aware of Adele's top game yeah. so if that happens in the match it'll be interesting to see how she plays that as Callum suggested I think if one athlete is to be on top it, it could well be Tubby, but then Tubby might favour using top position to attack submissions and end up back on the bottom. So this is a match where I think it could go uh, into a range of positions on the mat and, and there'd be like a good threat of submission throughout it. So it's going to be exciting from that point of view. And as for, for calling a winner, it will be um, interesting to see like who gets to their position that they're most likely to submit from so if Adele can snag Tubby in close guard and keep it there for a bit then as Callum highlighted fantastic armbar attacks from there Tubby's probably got more threat of the submission through the movement so if she can get Adele moving and outside of the close guard game then she might be able to to latch on to something I'm going to head towards Adele being able to lock on to Tubby with, with close guard and, and, and threaten an arm attack from there. That said, I would not be surprised if Tubby's movement is able to keep her out of a close guard and, and then if that happens, you know, she would probably be favoured to win, but let's let's pick Adele, close guard, arm bar. Yeah. What are you going for? I'm going to go the opposite and go with uh, Tubby. I just think uh, a bit more versatility in her game. A lot more experienced. Um, it's just the first or second year of Adele competing at Black Belt. Obviously, she's had great success, but I think the experience is going to shine through for Tubby. If you look at some common opponents as well, um, Jessica Ann, so Tubby submitted Jessica Ann, whereas Jessica Ann is beating Adele. So 
just going off of these kind of things, I think uh, Tubby is going to be the favour in that matchup for me. Jiu-Jitsu maths, always difficult. Yeah. But while we're trying to make judgments on how athletes might perform in matches, then they can be they can be handy to to point you in one direction or the other. Next up, we have the Hillbilly Hammer, Jacob Couch against Sebastian Rodriguez. Jacob Couch, a real um, sort of poster boy for a lot of flow grappling and uh, flow grappling events, such as who's number one. People love seeing him compete. <coughs> Amazing uh, personality and character. Obviously, uh, a star of the Daisy Fresh show that, that um, was very popular on uh, flow grappling. So, not surprised to see Jacob on the on the show. I think this match again, there's no surprise that people have been paired to be a clash of styles and a clash of personalities. I see Jacob as cool, calm, collected couch. And I see Sebastian Rodriguez as a bit more of a dog. We'll write D A W G <laughs> in his in his Jiu Jitsu. And I think that's going to be really interesting. It's going to be much like we talked about in the in the previous match. It's like, I think if J- if Jacob can get to a closed guard and start working from there, he can progress and enter legs. I think if Sebastian's able to keep the movement high and uh, stay out of being controlled by Jacob, then he's very dangerous and very hard to get a hold of and control. So I can see the match being a clash between that dynamic Callum what do you think when you go into this match yeah so obviously one of the best recent performances we've seen from Jacob was at the trials which he won the 88 kilo division Um, he had matchups like that in that division like J-Rod not so much Elder Cruz with being elusive but like very hard to do anything to Elder Cruz when he's on top and he managed to kind of lock those guys up in his game and finish with leg locks. Very versatile um, as far as like his attacks on bottom. He's got good arm locks with the choy bars, amazing close guard, amazing leg lock. So he's got a wide variety of things he can attack with if he can establish control. I think that's the main thing for this match. I favour Jacob to get to a control position and then to start getting into attacking positions from that and um, like you said he's got a more expansive game now from bottom for a while he was he was pretty much focused on getting in on a leg but i think we've seen him go to other parts of the body yeah. for his attacks recently as well i think he's comfortable enough in the stand-up to hang out there in order to pull straight into some sort of control as opposed to just like pulling straight away with no attachments and you have to work towards that connection. Um, He's not known as a wrestler. He's definitely got good wrestling and definitely comfortable enough to kind of stay in that area and pull Sebastian into his game. I think this match is going to offer a different dynamic into where the pressure and the control is coming from. So in some of the other matches, Nick Rodriguez uh, and Tynan Daltpra, we suggested would be, and, and Dante Leon, we suggested would be on top and exerting control from there. I think in this match, you're going to see that can, c- control can come from the bottom yeah. part 
and that Jacob can get control of Sebastian from there. And as we suggested in, in the women's match, you might see Adele able to do that as well. But Jacob, very good at being on bottom position, but having the dominant control in the match. So for that, from that point of view, I favour Jacob to secure the victory. Yeah, I'm the same. Just uh, with his resume as well, the kind of guys he submitted. J-Rod, Elder Cruz, uh, Roberto Jimenez, like very top names, I think. His accomplishments at this point are higher uh, than Sebastian's as well as this kind of stylistic um, matchup we're looking at. And the last match on the main card that we need to touch on, Mika Galvao against Kenta. Mika's on an absolute tear just now. Is probably becoming the, the the leading star in the sport who's currently active because Gordon's taken a rest to deal with his stomach issues until the ADCC. So I would say that most of the hype and attention, etc., right now is landed on Mika, and he's that's to his credit because he's been incredibly active recently and he's been performing incredibly well. Be this match against Kenta, I think, is being set up because Kenta is durable and has the potential to take the match into deeper time. But with Mika's arsenal, you'd have to favour, or I have to favour, Mika being able to find a position to secure a submission. I think the question in the match is how durable is Kenta and how far. Can he take it? Can he take it to decision? Can he get away from the attacks that Mika launches at him? Can he find positions where he can settle it down and be safe? I think with the amount of weapons that Mika has at his disposable, disposal, it's going to be nigh on impossible to do that through the length of the match. And so I'm, you know, I think Mika's the heavy favourite. But... The durability of Kenta is the, the, the question mark in the match and um, it's it's not going to be necessarily easy to get to a position where he's completely controlled and you can submit him. How do you see this match going, Cal? Yeah, again, a bit of a mismatch, I would say, um, with this one. So I kind of agree. Kenta, obviously, very good stand-up, very good wrestling, very good passing um, and quite durable. I don't see him being able to pass Mika. Um, he's shown good passing, but I think Mika's probably got the most dangerous guard in that weight class. As well, he's very comfortable on the feet as well, Mika. He's quite happy to wrestle with J-Rod. So I'm going to... Yeah, obviously I'm going to have to favour Mika in this one. I don't really see what Kenta's kind of path to victory would be. Um, if he could kind of grind them out, Potentially take him down, stay on top, get some good passing attempts. I'd be very surprised, but I think that's probably his most likely key to victory. Um, but yeah, definitely favouring Mika for this one. I think with Mika, we'll see a different type of closed guard than the one we've just spoken about that could be displayed in other matches. And, and Mika really uses going to closed guard as a threat to go to immediate submissions. I could see him in this match pulling, uh, jumping to a closed, but often Mika will just immediately go right through the close guard stage and into armbar attacks or 
working to get on someone's back or triangle choke or, you know, I, I like the, the reason that I'm running through a few things that he's got so much at his disposal. I think that's the thing with Mika is like, if you're in a match with Mika, is like, where can you just chill and be like, okay, I'm safe here. I don't think there really is anywhere. Like if you're standing with him, obviously he can take you down. He can also pull into an arm bar and end the match there. If you're on top, passing from the outside, again, he can snag your arm, snag a leg. If you want to go down to your knees and he gets you in close guard, that's a bad situation for you. And then on top, jumping on submissions, very strong passing positional game as well. So it's not really an area in a match with Mika that you can kind of feel, okay, I'm fine here. There's kind of a threat at all points, which is, I presume, quite stressful to experience. So if Kenna is able to be elusive or is able to settle down, it'll be interesting to see how Mika tackles that and what attack he chooses to to launch from that situation but overall I am going to pick Mika by submission as to what submission who knows he has so many that he could launch but Armbar would be a good guess but yeah plenty to work with that's the the main card on the show there are some undercard matches as well I would say keep your eye out on someone we've highlighted on our first couple of podcasts Elijah Dorsey Always worth watching his top game, especially. So, if you see uh, if you see the undercard, definitely worth watching his match. And then we will be back with a review of all of the main card matches and any highlights we see on the undercard on Saturday. We're going to get up, get some training in, get some lunch, watch the show, and have a chat. So. Tune in to the next edition of the Jiu-Jitsu Oracle to hear the full wrap-up of the Who's Number One 22 event.